the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest pop culture movement since the Beatles, $22.5 billion at the box office, and we found the one guy who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about. With two fellow MCU nerds to help guide his hand along the way, one thing is for certain, we're with him until the end of the line. Welcome to Colin Brain versus the MCU. On your left. Hello and welcome to your favourite podcast designed for your ear holes. And here we are, balls deep in phase three. We've had alien attacks from space. We've even been to space. But this time things get magical with 2016's Doctor Strange. Before we jump into the usual nitty gritty... Let's get the rust off those grinds and introduce my fellow co-hosts. Firstly, thanks to my co-host, I might as well be called the Ancient One, because every time I record a podcast with him, I feel like I've aged 10 years. It's Robert Trot. Rob, say hello. 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 And, of course, last but not least, he's the hostess with the mostest facial hair and wow. Frank Dormammu that he keeps it somewhat in check. Otherwise, his face would be a right shambala. I mean shambles. It's Colin Brain. Colin, say hello. Hello, mate. Hello, I've really struggled with the <laughs> yeah, introductory puns I'm today. Just, I'm not even gonna not even gonna comment, mate. You carry on. I really, really struggled. Uh, how are we both? I don't know about you, Colin, but I'm buzzing off of our uh, where we're charting this week. I know, man. No, I'm actually really buzzed for this episode. And uh yeah, crazy stuff happening, man. It's good shit. Mm. Yeah, turns out this podcast, uh, people like it. Um, we've been charting quite high in the old uh, podcast charts in the UK, so um, we're going into this with quite high spirit. I mean, this might, might age terribly. It's like after yeah, this exactly. episode, we might tank. <laughs> we'll be in the 200 mark again. When this actually yeah. releases, we're yeah, nowhere yeah. near the top yeah, 10. Yeah, we've called, we've called it a day by that point. Based on something we've said in the future, we've <laughs> exactly. been cancelled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're actually hated. But now I'm feeling so, um, really good, man. I'm feeling good. Good. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I turned 34 a couple mm. of days ago, uh, which I still quite haven't got my head round yet. Uh, it hasn't hit me as hard what I, as what I think 35 will. Um, for some reason, I'm dreading 35. Yeah. I think that's my halfway point to 70, and I think that's why. Oh, that's um, like that. Hmm. Yeah, I know. See, it's horrible, isn't it? Uh, but um, I'm good as well this week. I had a very chilled <laughs> birthday. Um, I, I, even, I, mean, I even worked the evening of my birthday. It was that chilled. But I did arrive to work to find all my lovely colleagues there with a bowl of mini donuts and strawberries with a little candle on top. So bless them that's lovely um, man you can never go r- wrong or or wong with donuts oh, no, uh, we're not, not doing that there we go down with, we're not going to do it we're already cancelled mate already cancelled <laughs> that's it <laughs> um so but before we begin and speaking um oh, you know shit. i've already mentioned my age as well maybe it's um before we really kick into proceedings we should mention rob's zoom nickname hey it got me it got me and got it me got a big dinner. grin today on the, for this one. Yeah. <laughs> big grin. Big Not grin. quite a laugh. <laughs> uh, Rob, who are you this week? This week, I am the Sorcerer Supreme, the middle-aged one. <laughs> like it. George's as well, technically. That's true. It's very true. I am now the middle-aged one, or I will be in a year, and that's when I have my midlife crisis. <laughs> but I think I had my midlife crisis during lockdown, because I, I, I started a podcast oh, yeah. and, <laughs> and um, bought a ukulele. That, if that doesn't scream midlife crisis, I don't know what does. 
So, we're not going to start right into Doctor Strange. I've got a question for you boys. Right. Um, we may get a little deep. We'll see. So, it's been in the news recently, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on some new developments at Marvel. So... Uh, Back in 2001, Stan Lee, he created and co-founded a production company called POW Entertainment. Uh, Unfortunately, in 2018, uh, just a couple of years before he died, or maybe just before he died, Stan actually sued the co-founder of POW Entertainment and the CEO. Um, So the co-founder was a guy called Gil Champion and the CEO, uh, Shane Duffy. Um, He found out that they were forging his signature whilst making various deals all around Hollywood and things like that. So these various companies thought they were, you know, getting the the Stan Lee approval when in reality they were just faking his signature. I should say, allegedly, we are getting quite a big podcast now. I don't want to get any lawyers on our ass, so I will say allegedly this happened. (laughs) Um, Now, obviously, Stan has passed. um, And so uh, before he did, he trademarked his likeness, his voice, uh, his name, everything. Uh, anything Stan Lee, um, he gave POW Entertainment the, the Stan Lee trademark. Well, Marvel have just finalized a deal to buy Stan's likeness. So a recent statement says the following, there is no better place than Marvel and Disney where Stan should be for his movies and theme park experiences. As we enter the centennial year of Stan's birthday, December 28th, 2022, we are thrilled to see his memory and legacy continue to delight fans with this new long-term agreement. So how do we feel about this, boys? Buying someone's likeness after their death so you can then use their face and voice after their passing is it immoral or is it clear that you know the ceos of power entertainment are you know maybe allegedly not to be trusted based on their treatment of stan whilst he was alive so is it maybe decent of marvel to bring him back home so to speak what do we think I, I feel two ways about it i think yeah it is great if they're just buying it to secure it so mm. that nothing nefarious can be done. Great. Mm. And like if his likeness could be used in books about the Marvel films and things like that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. It's if they start doing this. I feel very uncomfortable when people's likenesses are used after they've passed, it, especially in terms of like advertising things. Mm-hmm. Because it, I can imagine Stan wouldn't really object to any kind of like Marvel stuff because he was always game to be in these cameos and loved the universe that he was part of creating. Um, but I just find, I mean, years ago there was an advert which was like a footage of John Lennon, but they had put like a weird sort of lip sync on with an impersonator mm-hmm. doing a John Lennon impression. And oh, I thought, he, he wouldn't want to sell a car. What's this mm, all about? Yeah. <laughs> and I just find it a bit, distasteful and a bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. when it's done after someone hasn't got a say in it. Yeah. Mm. Colin? Yeah, I mean, Rob pretty much nailed it. I mean, the only thing I'd maybe add is that, and it's similar to what we were talking about on the uh, bonus episode, is like, it's like, we don't really know the intent behind any of it. And until you know that, it's hard to really judge on one way or the other. Like Rob said, if they're getting hold of it just because they're essentially trying to protect mm-hmm. his name for what could happen... Um, then that's obviously good. But then, you know, like if it turns out in five years' time, they're just fucking using him to market loads of bullshit to make loads of money for a company. And I mean, surely there's like, 
he's going to have an estate or there's going to be someone fighting his corner throughout all of these negotiations. So you would hope that there's just like good spirit involved throughout and it's not just like a a, a money-making yeah, scheme. Yeah, I hope so. But I guess time will tell, won't it, with what really happens? It, it will certainly tell. So if, let's say, there's a new Marvel film coming out in 2024 and a couple of months before its release, it sort of leaks that there will be a, um, a Stan Lee cameo, but he'll be CG. Would you be excited to see another Stan Lee cameo or would you be like, step too far? I wouldn't want to see it. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessary. Um, but then, you know... Maybe some people would want to see that. Maybe if you try and look at it with like a positive mindset that it might bring people happiness to see mm-hmm. him back on the screen again and it's kind of more of a memorial to him and just to remind people of things like that. I personally disagree with that, but that's just playing devil's advocate, I'd imagine. Maybe if you were fighting yeah. from the other side. Very interesting. Thank you, boys. So shall we jump into this week's film? So far, so good. Skip the compliments. Let's get on with it. So, as always, if you boys could be so kind as to give me the floor so I can introduce Dr. Strange to both yourself, Colin, and to our wonderful listeners. So I think it's safe to say so far that Marvel and the MCU has been very science-based so far. Um, We've had some mysticism in Thor, for sure. Um, The word magic was actually used in Thor. I think when he says to Jane something, the wonderful line, something like, your ancestors called it magic, but you call it science it was so it was always going to be uh, a challenge to introduce magic into this particular world so much like when we previously discussed spider-man in our bonus episode there had been plans for a doctor strange movie for decades in the mid 80s there was a screenplay floating around hollywood by back to the future writer uh, bob gale Uh, in 1989 stan lee himself wrote a screenplay In 1992, Wes Craven, director and writer of Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, actually signed a contract to write and direct the Doctor Strange movie. In 2001, also a guy called David, I think it's Goye or Goye, I've never been able to pronounce his name. The Goya. There we go, that's him. Um, He. The Goya. He um, wrote the Batman Begins uh, movie, I think. He actually signed the dotted lines as well. He fully signed a contract to direct an adaptation in 2001 as well. Obviously, all these projects fell through. So um, when the idea of doing a Doctor Strange movie at Marvel Studios became an idea, they actually had to buy the rights back from Paramount um, because Paramount were actually in discussions with Guillermo del Toro about doing a movie. But of course, once that Disney money started getting thrown about, the rights came straight back home. And so uh, once those rights were acquired... It was time to find a director. So Marvel shortlisted three directors. And I'd love to know how Marvel sort of create these shortlists because they're always full of talented directors for sure. But I'd be fascinated to know the links. So director number one was Jonathan Levine. He had recently done the drama comedy 50-50 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen. It's a lovely film. Yeah, if anyone like hasn't seen it. Yeah, it's, re- it's really like nice. Um, next on the list was a guy called Mark Andrews, um, who had just directed the Pixar film Brave. Okay. And last on the list was a guy called Scott Derrickson, who had just directed... <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Audio commentary facts. It was a rough... Uh, dry affair this audio commentary it was only uh old scotty d on his own 
Um, and it was before mm. the film was released, so we had no idea of how successful or unsuccessful it might oh. be. Um, how was that? It was it was good, very interesting, but a bit a bit dry. It's nicer when the commentary's got a few people mm. bouncing off each other. But um, he said that he had eight meetings with Marvel in order to get the the gig. Wow, eight. Hmm. As you were, George. Thank you very much. No, I didn't know that. Thanks for that. Um, so, yeah, and Scott Derrickson had just directed the, in my opinion, the incredibly scary Sinister with Ethan Hawke. Like I said, that's three strong directors, uh, but three middle-aged white dudes. Marvel, do better, please. Um, so, yeah, uh, all three directors came into Marvel Studios, gave various pitches on what a Doctor Strange film would look like in the MCU. And all pitches were very strong. Uh, But Scott Derrickson walked into his meeting room with a short animated scene that he had spent quite a bit of his own money on to get made. And bear in mind, there was no script. So he made, wrote and directed an original set piece. This set piece was so strong, it actually ended up in the final script of the film and it made the edit. It's the astral fight scene whilst um, Christine is trying to revive... Stephen Strange in the hospital. He he just animated this entire scene and was like, this is what I want to do with Doctor Strange. So he was, um, after his eight meetings, I guess he was offered the job. So when Kevin Feige asked Scott Derrickson, who do you want to play Doctor Strange? His first answer was Benedict Cumberbatch. And so Marvel got in touch and Benedict Cumberbatch turned it down. Uh, Marvel had their shooting dates already locked in. So even before a single person had been cast, the entire shoot, they knew when they were shooting it. And it was going to be so long, it was actually going to clash both with Sherlock and um, Cumberbatch's version of Hamlet that was going to be staged in London. And so Marvel unfortunately moved on. But they really wanted to go big with this casting. Um, Some contracts with the, the OGs, we'll call them, were starting to run out. So it was time to look ahead to who could maybe be one of the new faces of the MCU going forward. So they offered the role to Tom Hardy, uh, Ryan Gosling, Jared Leto. um, And then in a moment of madness, a moment of pure what must have been, fuck it, let's just see what happens attitude. They offered the role to Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, shit. (laughs) who then read the script, came in to see Kevin Feige and Scott Derrickson and said, yep, I'm in. Yes, he agreed to take on the role of Stephen Strange. Joaquin Phoenix was in the MCU. Massive. Um, It was even even publicly announced that he would be taking on the role. Um, He he was like, I'm I'm up for it, let's do it. And then... um, after it had been publicly announced, they then sent the contract out to him to sign, and it became harder and harder to make contact with Mr. Phoenix. So, did he see how many films he was signing up for? I'm like, fuck you, you have do guessed one. it, sir. Um, Bumhole right. <laughs> started to clench at Marvel, shall we say? So uh, that uh, that shooting date was ever approaching, and their lead had yet to sign his own contract. And then, yes, it happened. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix actually pulled out. He did not want to be locked into a contract that could potentially tie him down to one character for a few years. But he was also aware that, you know, being in these big block buses, it comes with a territory that there's going to be a lot of press, a lot of press junkets, a lot of premieres. 
usually he things he is very open about saying it makes him very uncomfortable. So um, he pulled out. Uh, so yeah. days after Joaquin Phoenix pulled out, it was in, it was public knowledge that he left. Marvel were actually contacted by Jared Leto <laughs> and Ethan Hawke, who had just worked with um, Scott Derrickson in Sinister, and by Jake Gyllenhaal, all who said, Marvel, if you need me, I'm here. I want to be Doctor Strange. Marvel debated going with them. But then because Joaquin Phoenix left, they added a slight delay onto the shooting dates and then suddenly realised Mr. Cumberbatch was free. So then they gave him another call and he agreed and signed his contract. And so after all of that, Marvel actually ended up Hmm. with their first choice. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So this delay meant that Scott Derrickson had longer to work on the script as well. So he roped in his sinister co-writer, a guy named Robert Cargill. Um, he co-wrote Sinister. Not, he's not Sinister himself. He's not Sinister. He co-wrote the film Sinister. Um, <laughs> the Sinister co-writer. He's very good as well. He's, he's released a... <laughs> Sits in the dark in the corner. He's released a, a couple of novels um, recently as well. So uh, check out his novels. They're very, very good. Um and just before they handed in their final draft of the script, they um, ended up speaking to good friend, um, the writer of Community and Rick and Morty, Dan Harmon. Uh, he did a quick polish on the script. And when the film was finished, he also did a little bit of writing for some reshoots as well. Despite the slightly dramatic pre-production, again, luckily, it was a pretty smooth shoot. Um, There was reshoots, like I just said, but that's always the case with Marvel nowadays, and everyone finished on good terms. So, Doctor Strange was released in November 2016 to an opening box office of $85 million. That's a bigger opening than Ant-Man. It's a bigger opening than uh, the first Thor movie and the first Captain America movie. It was lower than Civil War and the Avengers movies, but that's not a massive surprise. Uh, Once it left cinemas, it had grossed $677 million worldwide. So yes, a hell of a lot of money, but nowhere near the billion that these team-up films tend to make. But as far as Marvel were concerned, they were more than happy because A, they'd introduced a new character to the MCU that the audience responded really well to. They'd introduced magic... They hinted at the multiverse and even brought in the concept of time travel and somehow, in their typical Marvel genius, I guess, made it feel all at home in the MCU. Which brings us to the question we've all been waiting for, and I (laughs) really, genuinely cannot tell how this is going to go. (laughs) Really? I've been racking my brains all day. Me too, actually. Oh, God, okay. Mm. Colin, mm. what did you think? <laughs> this one was a very interesting one to come into for me mm. because I feel like after the when we got together and watched um, Civil War, I feel like a part of me came a little bit on board. A tiny little bit mm. of me felt like I was really starting to like, you know, like, oh, you know what? Maybe they're, maybe they're taking a turn and, and I'm starting to really enjoy these. Oh, my heart. Yep. So <laughs> so I kind of, this was probably the first one where I've gone in with actually some form of expectation, which is something I've never really had yet. Yeah. A lot of these are going, oh, fuck it. Let's just see what they're like. Uh-huh. This was the first one where I was kind of like, you know what? I think I might actually be a little bit excited to sit down and watch this, which I have not felt about any of these films. So that's that, a big moment. That makes itself. me happy. D- 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 
regardless yeah. of what he said next, that makes me happy. Yeah, that's a big moment in itself. I I enjoyed it, but I can't help think that there's a better version of this film somewhere. Interesting. And I'll get into my thoughts and feelings as to that all kind of unfold, hopefully, throughout the episode. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. I'm hoping that these conversations going to kind of answer some things and i'm also going into it now i'm, I'm not gonna I'm, tr- I'm trying not to be quite as i don't like this character i don't like that character because i've found with the other ones even if i don't like them straight away when they start popping up in other films or when you get to the second or third one yeah you, you you know you grow to either like or dislike them more or less so i'm gonna try not to be quite as like just fuck this guy fuck that guy i'm gonna i'm willing to give them a chance so i'm going into this with i've never had this mindset in any of these films so this is like a new version of of me watching these which Mm -hmm. i think is a good thing it's a development i don't think that's really answered any of question if i liked it or not but i feel like we've kind of opened the door to the rest of the podcast no it's going to make the next 45 minutes or so very exciting uh rob how was this rewatch for you I've seen this film quite a lot, actually. I don't know why I've seen it more than some other Marvel films. But obviously it's the first time I watched it with the... It was a different experience, really, because I was mainly... I'd seen it so many times, I was mainly just listening to to what was coming through with it. I think I connected with it a lot more Hmm. than I had before. I think the idea, I know that this is becoming a, a catchphrase for us, <laughs> but as a dad, I'm now looking at it differently because I would love a little gem that could just rewind time a little bit or mm-hmm. pause it a little bit or you know, <laughs> yeah. give me an extra 10 minutes to uh, you know, enjoy a meal or something like that. I feel like what it must be when you watch it with the audio commentary and you're kind of hearing these behind-the-scenes stories and... That you must just have a whole new understanding of the film by the end of it, as you know, as it, opposed to not yeah. doing that. It's definitely interesting when you sort of see if the, you know, the creative team are talking whether their intentions of what you're seeing on the screen. So they mm. could say, "Oh, we really wanted this to come through, or for the, the character to seem this way," and then if you're watching it and going, well, "Yeah, that, that's not what." the final <laughs> yeah, film is, yeah, 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 yeah. then you kind of think, well, they're just sort of explaining to you what they wanted. But, mm. you know, sometimes it, it makes you go, oh, no, actually, yep. I can see that in the film. And I hadn't really thought of it that way. Uh, yeah, it can, it can sort of improve the way you look at things. Like uh, Captain America, when I listened to the commentary for that, they were look, talking about all the physical sets. And it's the first time I've really stopped and gone, actually, some of these sets are impressive. Mm, yeah, and I hadn't really thought about that before. So yeah, I, I do think they are really good if you're interested in filmmaking and and how these things are all put together. I do recommend them. Great. Um, yeah, I don't know why either, but um, as soon as I press play on this, I suddenly realised it's been years since I've seen this. And um, by the time the credits were rolling, I was a bit gutted because I had so much fun with this. And mm. um, I think Cumberbatch is quite fun in it. Um, obviously, we'll get to all these later, but that set piece set in the mirror dimension running around new york i think is literally jaw-dropping um and i also like towards the end of the film that marvel play around with convention a little bit we will get into it um is it a perfect film uh spoilers is it a five-star film Uh, no but it is very 
Very good. So, shall we do our deep dive? Let's go. Let's dive balls deep into this film, as you put yeah, it. My balls are ready. Um, so, uh, <laughs> God, all these um, pronunciations bear with me. So, in Kathmandu, the sorcerer Caecilius and his zealots enter the secret compound Kamartaj and behead its librarian. They steal several pages from an ancient mystical text belonging to the Ancient One, a long-lived sorcerer who has taught every student at Kamartaj, including Caecilius in the mystic arts. The Ancient One pursues the traitors, but Caecilius and his followers escape. So, Colin, last episode you gave praise to Civil War for opening in quite a shocking and brutal manner. We now open with bloody librarians being beheaded did it have the same impact or not i mean yeah it had a similar impact obviously it's sort of different setting and different visuals and that and but i thought yeah it hit it hit in a very similar way mm. it was like right let's go <laughs> good <laughs> i enjoyed it good and uh rob here's a question this is quite a broad question for the first question but it's one i don't think i've ever actually asked you yet for the podcast so i will ask you here was Scott Derrickson a good choice for the director? I'm going to shock you both. I've not oh. seen any of his other films. So, um, put me on the spot. So, Sinister was the horror with the horror film with Ethan Hawke. Just before that, he did The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, yeah, I saw that and, one too, yeah. So, horror stuff. Yeah, but then he also... I think I've seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose, actually. Was that mm. the one where... No, it's not the one oh, I saw. <laughs> uh, but then he also did the Day the Earth Stood Still remake with Keanu oh, yeah. Reeves. No, surprisingly, I've seen all of these um, films. I hated the Day the Earth Stood Still. Um, yeah, I don't. Remember but Sinister's it. great, I think. Sinister was cool, but it kind of felt like a Slipknot music video for an hour <laughs> At times and a half. It did. That's yeah. kind of what it reminded me of for me. <laughs> um, okay, so that's even more interesting that you haven't seen his previous. So this films, is all I have but... to go on. Yeah. I could tell this is this isn't him necessarily doing what he is known for and what he's most comfortable in. Because I know he's what he's directed. I know films like Sinister and Deliver Us from Evil and things yep. like that. Mm-hmm. I know this is that's more what he enjoys doing and obviously feels comfortable mm-hmm. doing. But saying that, I think there's elements of that still in the film. There's still like these sort of creepy odd visuals and sort of darker moments. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think, why not? I think I, I like that they sort of go for genre directors sometimes and don't necessarily ask them to do the genre that they're known yeah. for. Yeah, good, good answer. So, in New York City, Dr. Stephen Strange, a wealthy, acclaimed, but arrogant neurosurgeon, severely injures his hands in a car crash whilst en route to a speaking conference, leaving him permanently unable to operate um i'll quickly say that i actually love uh the end of the credits for this film it actually has a warning it says like um being distracted behind the wheel of your car is like extremely dangerous for yourself and others and um, something i've always appreciated um, mm. in this film so colin um it doesn't matter if we all get sort of jumbled about in regards to the rest of the film here as again it's a pretty broad question but it's quite a big one how was benedict cumberbatch as dr stephen strange um was he right to be their first choice? Did it pay off? I mean, when you threw out some of those other names earlier, I really, I really wish that it was maybe Ethan Hawke. 
you not I think love, it'd be fucking fantastic as I Doctor Strange? I love Ethan Hawke. I mean, I'm whacking, whacking Me Phoenix would have been like, I mean, mm-hmm. I would have fucking loved to have seen what the hell that would have been, <laughs> but we know it wouldn't have been this film for sure. Um, no. I, yeah, I, there's something about Benedict Cumberbatch that, and I, I'm not, I don't want to be insulting when I say any of these things, but he's a, he's similar to how I felt about the MCU is that I know everyone says he's fantastic and he's obviously a fan favorite amongst movie goers and cinema mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. I don't think I've seen him in enough of anything to really have an opinion. I definitely mm-hmm. haven't. I don't jump on board with the opinion that he's fantastic. I just think I've only seen Sherlock. Yeah. And he was good as Sherlock, but mm-hmm. like, you know, mm. to me, this kind of felt like Sherlock with an American accent. Like I didn't really see a whole lot different. But like I said, I'm willing to wait because I'm, I'm sure he's going to well, he's going to pop back up in other films. And I feel like that's going to kind of kind of be how I feel about this whole film. It was like there was a lot going on. There was a lot of bouncing between different vibes and different settings and I don't quite think we got to know any of the characters to the extent that <clears throat> I would have liked to have it to yep. have got to. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. that could come. That could come in future instalments, and I hope it does. Yep. So Cumberbatch at the moment, it's a sort of it's a not too sure. He definitely hasn't won me over, and I feel like he, you know, like I was saying, sometimes you see it and you're like, no one else should have had that role. Mm-hmm. I've said it a few times about some of the guys uh, that pop up in this. Yeah. This guy is like, eh, I'm sure someone else probably could have done a better job. So he's yet to make it iconic, so to speak. Not even close. <laughs> Rob, uh, does does Cumberbatch deserve the, the robe, so to speak? I think he does a good job. Mm. I think good is the operative word. That It's fine, right? He, it's a fine yeah, job. I mean, he doesn't do a, he, yeah, he doesn't do a bad job. I find... He, I think he must have gone to Hugh Laurie's... Mate, I literally put down house when I was watching it at the <laughs> beginning, especially with him being a doctor as well. I was like, yeah. is this like a weird... He's like, I don't like, believe house. in mantras or shackles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the accent was a bit... Yeah, no, I'll give you that one, man. It was a bit wibbly-wobbly. Um, but that aside, so they did some nice stuff at the beginning where he he stepped in and saved that that patient who had come in from, you know, doing the, the brain surgery. And Christine goes to see the family and she hugs them automatically when she tells them the news. And he sort of stands back, mm-hmm. very uncomfortable and sort of awkward. And when the sort of the relatives go to sort of embrace him, he's just very yeah. much like, please don't <laughs> get near me. And it was just, a, it was all done without sort of mm-hmm. saying it. But it was nice to show, okay, well, these two are clearly exes. And that there is a is on top of the sort of arrogance that's on the top, those sort of yep. things like in terms of his emotions and not showing them is could probably be a big reason as to why they're not together. I thought there's a lot of nice stuff at, at the start, yeah. Did you notice the little Easter egg? Hop, 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 hop. <laughs> it's no. Easter time. I draw the line. I mean that one might need to work for me. <laughs> A hop, hop, a hop, hop. <laughs> it's an Easter egg hunt. Uh, was it? Was there something on the X-ray? Was it? Because wasn't he looking at some scans or like something? He gets given potential patients, and one of them they say is um, there's been someone with a military spine injury, and this is actually set in like it's set before Ultron, isn't it? 
I mean, at least the start. I w- I assumed it was set as pretty much as as I'll let you guys yeah, argue this one out. as as present <laughs> as possible because it's a there's a spinal injury of a guy in a military suit which I assumed was Rhodes War Machine. I I always took it because there's a massive time jump of the time he spent in Kamataj. There's a big time jump there. That the beginning is actually set in the past. So who would that be? That is, to my mind, I think it's the guy that Justin Hammer got twisted up in that fake oh. suit in Iron Man 2. Maybe. Okay. I just always assumed Rhodes. But you are right, though, because there is a. you can tell that he spends a long time when he's, when he's learning the magic and well, stuff. Well, what made me really excited, I remember the first time I saw it, is he? There's they literally send him one X-ray that makes him take his eyes off the road, and something catches his eye, and they say it's from. Forgive me if I'm wrong. A woman suffering from schizophrenia mm. who has got a chip in her head to try and control it has been struck by lightning. It's something along the lines of that. And when they send him the X-ray, he t- he does like a double take, and then he crashes. And I was like, oh. Oh, they're setting something up. Who's that going to be? And us spoilers right now, Colin. No idea. No, I Nothing. have no idea what that was about. <laughs> so you did that in the cinema. I went hop, oh. hop, hop, hop. <laughs> it's an Easter egg. <laughs> oh. oh God, help us, uh, Colin. Is Doctor Strange going to be in an Avengers movie, or is it best if we just keep him and Magic to the sidelines? No, nah, it's happening, man. You, they're building. So we're going to see Doctor Strange with all of his magic stuff standing yep. right next to Tony Stark. Well, maybe not Tony Stark, but he's not, you know, the Avengers aren't... This It's changing, isn't it? Yep. We're moving on from those guys. Now, you even said it yourself, the contracts are yep. running out, you know, if you get into that side of it. they like, And like you said at the beginning in your intro, they're trying to get these new guys to be the next big yep. things. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised. This felt like they were trying to do that. It felt like they were trying to say, this is the next guy like him on yep. you know he, he, he's there and and the the end yes the end credit which we'll obviously yep. get to i mean it's it i think it was definitely the plan to start setting him up to be um quite big yes yeah and cumberbatch as well it's a big name right i mean that that is a big name isn't I, it? i'm I'd not say, pulling it out i'd say ass. this is the most prestigious cast of any marvel movie we will okay, get into so them all, right thinking but that. this mm. is quite the cast they stacked up what has he done that everyone loves him for like, does it, has he got some breakout roles in movies and stuff? Because, again, I've only seen Sherlock. I think, it, so I I think can't... it's just Sherlock, really. Was it mainly from that, was it? That, that no, he's him in on? Atonement. Isn't he in 12 Years a Slave? He is in 12 Years a Slave, along okay. with Chiwetel. And uh, yes. Imitation Game, he's supposed to be very good in as yes. Alan Turing. Yeah. But, I mean, how much of it is because he's quirky British and he's got a funny last name? <laughs> got him. Um, to me, Cumberbatch has always had Cumberbatch-isms. He's always, he's always mm. a version of Sherlock in most things I see him in. Okay, so I wasn't totally wrong no, in saying no, that. No, no, but though. I'd say the most he strayed from that was The Power of the Dog. Um, that was the first time okay. I've seen a Cumberbatch performance where I've gone, oh, he's playing a character here that I've never seen him play before, and he's fantastic in it. And that's a film? Yes. Um, okay, cool. I think it won Best Picture at the Oscars last year. I've got a... Fun Cumberbatch fact or a fun Babatch. Oh. oh, I thought, I mean, you could have had a jingle for that one. I could have, but you know, I could, I'm reading the room. <laughs> 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 so, do you know his mother is an actress and she was in Only Fools and Horses as 
uh, Rodney's mother-in-law. So she mm. had quite a recurring role in it. Yeah. And his dad is also an actor, and both of his parents played Sherlock's parents in the show Sherlock. There we go. So, double, double fact. fact for you. I'm just being pumped full of cum, babatch. Oh, Jesus. Read the room. Read I mean, the you, room. You, you, I threw out, I've just been pumped full of cum, babatch, and that didn't get anything. <laughs> cum, babatch. Oh, right, okay. this, is, this is how much I've infected Colin. That um, I've got the note. You must call him Benny Cum as much as possible. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we got Benny Wong and Benny Cum. Oh, fucking hell. You're currently listening to Colin Brain versus the MCU, one of the highest yeah, yeah. ranking podcasts in the UK. Exactly. At the moment. 27 and, <laughs> and climbing. Hey, we maybe. didn't get here by being classy. <laughs> no, we didn't. We definitely didn't. Jesus Christ. Um, right, so a blokey. <laughs> Fellow surgeon Christine Palmer tries to help Stephen move on, but Strange vainly pursues experimental surgeries to heal his hands. Strange learns about Jonathan Pangborn, a paraplegic who mysteriously regained use of his legs. Pangborn directs Strange to Kamartage, where he is taken in by Mordo, a sorcerer under the Ancient One. So, as we could just kind of mention then, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor was quite a prestigious bit of casting for Marvel. He'd recently done, as Rob said, um, 12 Years a Slave. He was nominated for Best Actor for that. And then suddenly he's cast as Baron Mordo in the MCU. Uh, so if you don't know Colin, now you do. Baron Mordo is one of Doctor Strange's most infamous villains. Um, he's very much his sort of buddy for the most of this film. He's almost now like the Joker to his Batman. So, um... How is Chiwetel Ejiofor in this? He plays quite a interesting and conflicted character, I think. Yeah, no, um, it's funny you say that because I take it that means that when you guys watch this, you knew that he was going to be popping up as a vi- if you were fans of the comics. I I knew that Mordo was a villain. Okay, yes. Okay. So when this started and they were buddies, I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> like, oh, well, yeah. See, because so for me, having a completely blank slate and not having a clue that any of that's coming, this was possibly one of the most effective parts of the film was his character for me. Almost mm. straight away, I was like, I was getting a next time baby vibe, you know, like I was thinking this <laughs> yes. is not enough. There's something to this. And it, and it was more of the stuff he kind of did in the background while he was there listening to other conversations. You could see almost mm-hmm. like the cogs turning in his head and that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was sort of like a surprisingly significant impact like because after the film you know a few hours later i'm thinking right what characters stood out to me in the film and he was Mm. sort of pretty much up the top which very nice initially he felt a bit more like a sort of side character so i think they did a good job on on sort of building him up as the film went on good so then same to you rob um quite a catch in terms of the mcu and marvel uh what is his casting too distracting or does he give a good enough performance that it all kind of just gets forgotten He's definitely not distracting. He's he's gravitas, and but he's supposed mm-hmm. to be different to strange. He's supposed to be the one that's sort of rigid and unbendable, like when it comes to the rules and you know what he's decided to live his life by. So mm. he he is very stern and serious, but that's he kind of plays it. Everything he's saying, the way he delivers it, this is with so much weight. Yeah, because you know that character takes it more seriously than anything else ever um, and I think that really comes across in his performance I think he's, he's bloody amazing mm. 
Good. Uh, I really like Chiwetel in this. Yeah, we're on a first name basis. Um, <laughs> there's some slight hamminess at times, I think. Um, I think you kind of hinted at it, Rob, that, I mean, he chews some of this mm. dialogue like it's a well done steak, mm. but it's it's a comic book movie. And at the end of the day, everything is heightened. So I think it works, even though a couple of his deliveries did give me a chuckle, I should oh, say. Oh, I just um, thought of one. Go on. The whole on. Shambhala bit. It's the yes. it's, we're not savages. It's the Wi-Fi password. Oh, it's the Wi-Fi password. Bit. Yeah, you know what? I even thought that as soon as that happened, I was like, Colin no, was shaking too his much head. of that in this as well on the comedy side of things, man. Yeah, there's a lot of head shaking. <laughs> it wasn't so much ham; it was more gammon. <laughs> oh, okay, High good. quality yes. ham, not just sort of thin yes. wafer Very, slices yes. like you get from a lesser actor. No, no, this is, yeah, good, good quality. Anthony Hopkins is the whole pig. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, I think it's interesting that Mordo is maybe a more interesting and potentially well-written character than the primary villain of the film, Caecilius. Um, I just, I really love how broken Mordo is by the Ancient One's sort of contradictions. You know, whereas Strange is happy enough to to let it go he he hasn't spent obviously years maybe even lifetimes you know following the ancient one uh, and almost like literally worshipping the ground that she walks on so when he learns that she's been keeping some pretty big secrets from him i love that he's stubborn enough but strong-willed enough as well to just be like well i'm out i'm off because fuck you um so i've always appreciated that about his character especially in this film so the ancient one demonstrates her power to strange revealing the astral plane and other dimensions such as the mirror dimension she reluctantly agrees to train strange whose arrogance and ambition remind her of caecilius and so our first trip of a sequence uh, where the ancient one shows strange that the world and the and the universe is not quite as he thinks it is it's an insane visual feast colin so is it too out of place for what we've seen so far in the MCU? Was it too weird or were you on board for this trip of a sequence? Yeah, I was on board for it. Um, I think actually around this point was where the film started to feel a little bit more like it was finding its feet. I thought the first 15, 20 minutes, the tone was a little all over the place. I couldn't figure out if it was trying to be a comedy, if it was going serious. And it was a lot of mm. sort, of, sort of flip-flopping with that. And I mean, and then they throw you in this scene, which kind of, you know... Um, I appreciate the visuals in this film so much. I mean, the CGI felt like it, like you know, the the magic and stuff that they were doing. It felt like it had like a, it just felt like it was better quality CGI. I mean, I don't know if they would have done anything different. It felt thicker. It felt more realistic. That part where the the hands start growing out of the fingertips and it just keeps going more, and then, and then, then more like hands and more caught fingertips. up in loads of arms and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can't get surely. It, like, when did these characters get first written? You know, like, who wrote Doctor yeah. the 60s? The 60s. Stan Lee Man, some on a lot of drugs. Yeah, I was about to say, there was some... Stan Lee <clears> and <throat> Steve Ditko. There was some yes. psychedelics being passed around throughout that. And you kind of get that in this <laughs> film, but I I think I would have liked it if they lent more into that, sort of, a little more. Because, yeah. I, f- I don't know. I also think if I was on some of my own psychoactive medicine for that scene might have hit slightly differently as well, if you know what I'm saying. Gosh, could yeah. you imagine? 
Um, and so, Rob, like, how were the visual effects for you in this scene? Could you, I mean, you're as much as a film nut as me, could you see the string, so to speak, or was it all just pretty seamless? It was pretty seamless. I uh, found out from the audio commentary facts. So from film to film, they do tend to use different uh, sort of effects houses, um, especially while they were finding their feet, I think, Marvel. I think they sort of settle a bit more now um, on a, on a you know, one or two different houses. But they used Industrial Light and Magic, which is the company started by old uh, Georgie Lucas. Is this the first time they've used them? I'm not sure, actually. If it was the, I'd have to uh, do a mm. bit of research, but I, they, they definitely used them for this film, and I think it definitely sets a new, I don't know, just that whole sequence is like we get hints of that in Ant Man when they yes. have that whole quantum realm sequence, yeah. and and even Stephen Strange goes through that realm at one point in this sequence. But yeah, it's very very interesting. I I loved the bit where he gets fingered, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> But then once it all it's all one big hand and then fingers and mm. fingers and hands, doesn't it grip onto like some something black and then it pulls out and it's his He's like his hanging eyeball. off the yeah. middle of his eyes <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, that was Yeah. There were some really cool moments there. The textures on screen. I mean did, I guess you guys saw this in the cinema, right? Have you seen all of these yeah. in the cinema? I think I've seen all of them after except for Iron Man. I wow. Think. Yeah. I think, like, it feels like a... This is going to sound like such a cliche thing to say, and if old Scotty D hears me saying this, he's going <laughs> to be rubbing his thighs with happiness. <laughs> but it feels like a roller coaster ride, this whole sequence, because yep. he sort of floats off slowly into into space, and then he's like... You see that butterfly, and there's a moment of calm before... Well, she's zooming off somewhere else, so then he's sort of... There's a, a rhythm of, to it, yeah. Yeah, floating in space, and she's like, you know, um, who are you in this in this vast multiverse, Mr. Strange, and all this sort of thing. And then, yeah, it zooms off to the next thing, and then it's just sort of, just as you sort of get a moment to take in how he's reacting, it's like, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. and it But it works, like the pace of it is so well done. Yep, yep. Strange studies under the Ancient One and Mordo, and from ancient books in the library that is now guarded by Master Wong. Strange learns that Earth is protected from threats from other dimensions by a shield generated from three buildings called Sanctums in New York City, London and Hong Kong, which are all directly accessible from Kamartaj, and the sorcerer's task is to protect the Sanctums. So Colin, another big character here, mm. the Ancient One. And again, another massive performer in the role. Um, I've seen this film many times and I still can't quite believe that Tilda Swinton is in the MCU. So how was Miss Swinton as the Ancient One for you? I thought she had a really good presence and um, did like an overall like a good job as you know from an acting standpoint. Definitely no complaints there. Mm-hmm. Um, you got like a really... She just had this kind of stoic, but stoic yet mindful, I put. Because mm. you sort of like, you can see the layers. And again, it's sort of what I say about certain actors and actresses. Like, they don't need to say anything. They just, they know what the role is. They just give that off on screen. And she had that. Yep. But yep. like, I felt like it just, like, I don't know. There was, I'm not bothered about seeing so, her again. I, I liked the performance. She was cool for the film. Like, but I'm not. I'm not asking for more. Like, she she gave off a lot of information. She was kind of the, 
you know, teaching us a lot about the the world that we're being introduced to. She's, so she was there yeah. as that kind of mouthpiece for almost to let the audience know mm. what the fuck we're watching. It's tough as a performer to be the exposition. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, so so it was cool. But I'm, I can't say I'm I can't say I'm screaming for a next time, baby. But it, I imagine that we probably will get it because she's a big name and they all sign up for doing fucking a hundred films, you know. Even though she dies, you think we still? Mate, no one's dead. We've got <laughs> we've got multiverses now. We've got magic. We got no one's dead. Brilliant. Okay, uh, Rob, I was going to ask you another question um, regarding all of this, but in my notes, I decided, screw it, I want to hear your answer on this as well. I want to know, how was Tilda Swinton for you? Tilda Swinton is always amazing in everything she's in. Mm-hmm. I just... There was a lot of controversy over her casting at the time. I don't know if you remember. Was there really? Yeah, you've just reminded me. What, yeah, what was it? Because the ancient one... I mean, Scott Derrickson, I think maybe he was caught between a rock and a hard place because the ancient one in the comics, when these were originally written, is quite a ridiculous Asian stereotype. Like a sort oh, of really? long okay. beard. Almost of, caricature. Yeah. So he had the option of... He sort of says about it on the... Audio commentary. Facts. He says that he... The way he kind of describes it is that, well, I were, I was I had two evils. I either like cast Tilda Swinton or I cast someone who's Asian and then have. But I was like, well, I don't, that didn't fly with me. I thought, well, no. Is that, that not a third not, and fourth option? <laughs> or fifth? No, six. you can't <laughs> cast someone who's Asian but not make it a stereotypical role. Yeah, like, exactly. Right in yeah. a way that plays with convention, maybe. I, I think, yeah, it's a it's a weird one. I think I don't think she's like you said. I think she's great in the film. I think she plays the part amazingly. But in order to make that a bit more diverse, maybe they could have done something different. Interesting. Yeah, they, I think they got accused of... It's called whitewashing, isn't it? That um, why, why is a white woman playing this role? Um, yeah, but he did want to avoid the stereotype. Yeah, but like you said, you're right in the... You know, it, doesn't have, it could be Asian and doesn't have to sit into all those old stereotypes. Yeah. It's mm. a tough one. Um, but in terms of me, I think she might be my favourite performance in the film. Um, you've said it as well, Colin. There's so many nuances mm. she brings to the performance. She really seems to just inhabit the role. She does so much with her eyes as well. Um, to be honest, I think it's a bit of an acting masterclass. I, I think she's really, really, really good in this. Um, so moving on. Strange progresses quickly and secretly reads the text from which Caecilia stole pages, learning to bend time with the mystical eye of Agamotto. Mordo and Wong warn Strange against breaking the laws of nature, drawing a comparison to Caecilius's desire for eternal life. Here we go, villain time. So we've had evil billionaires, Frost giants, dark elves, fire-breathing scientists, uh, aliens from outer space, uh, an angry man from Sokovia, and so many more villains. Colin, how was Mads Mikkelsen as Caecilius for you? Not just his performance, but the character itself. Does it all get the Colin Brain seal of approval or not? I don't know if it does. Oh. I really like... Mads Mikkelsen was he did he play Hannibal Lecter in the newest series or the series they did in Hannibal yes I mean he was fantastic uh-huh. in that for a start 
I just think he didn't have enough time in this. They didn't give him enough time. Look, I... This is. I'm going to say something now, which I never thought I would say about any of these films doing this podcast. <gasps> you wish it was longer. This film could have been. I think this film really would have benefited from being half an hour, forty five minutes longer. <laughs> Honestly, man, I know I'm eating my words here, but I'm just being honest. It's like yeah, because there was so much they tried to do in this film, and I think my biggest mm-hmm. issue with it that dynamically it was a bit all over the place. The tone was shifting. None of the characters got the development that I think they all deserved. You've got so many fucking great actors in this film as a cast, and it just feels like none of them had enough time to really grow into anything. That's my biggest critic right. about the whole film, and that would be my biggest like mm-hmm. knock on him as a villain, because I wanted to see way more of him. Fucking cool name, though. Casilius yeah. is an epic name. Colin, a lot of what you're saying is echoed in my notes, my friend, so don't you worry. Um, Rob, exact same to you. Mads Mikkelsen as Caecilius. Where, where where, does he rank and how good is he in this? I mean, I'm with you too. I love, love a bit of Mads. Mm. He, he's so good. And I, there, there's a, a scene where he's all caught up and restrained and he's delivering his speech that is really good. And you're like, yep, oh, I wish yep, yep. we had more time of that. But I kind of feel like he's the guy that's supposed to be kicking the door open for the actual villain. Like the, he's not really the villain. Mm-hmm. The villain is the looming threat of Dom Dormammu. Dormammu. As uh, Vic Reeves would say. Dormammu. <laughs> i got some shooting stars. For I don't think he's he works as a, anything other than the person that's threatening to go, I'm going to bring in my mate. My mate's going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, by this point for me, it felt like they've got a, a a shelf somewhere in the MCU headquarters, and they're just like there's just lots of of villain archetypes, and they just <laughs> grabbed the closest one to him and went, "This one will do." Like even the way he looked, I mean, it was cool-ish, but I mean, I don't know, it was a little bit what's with the, the sparkly purple? eyes? Yeah, I don't know, mate. It didn't like yeah, that was one of the <laughs> most frustrating. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna go in a rant here. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> bring it. Um, no, 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 I won't bring it. But no, okay. it, it room for improvement, let's say. The okay. purple eye thing, it did look like he was in Euphoria. The Zendaya yes. show. Yes, he did. He looked like he was off to a festival. Yeah, yeah. My mic mic on. Oh, no. oh thank God. No, as it is. That was a roller coaster for me. Audio commentary facts. So, in ringing up Mads Mickelson. Scotty D was, you know, much like with Joaquin Phoenix, thought he's never going to say yes. Mm. Never going to say yes. And he's done this long pitch to him talking about Caecilius and, you know, his backstory and, and where they could go with it and all the interesting things he could do. And he sort of describing the action sequence in the Sanctum. And Mads Mickelson stopped him and said, would I get to do Kung Fu? That's not a good Mads, Mads Mickelson impression. <laughs> uh, to which Scotty D said, well... Yeah, and he said, that's what I need to hear. Oh, really? <laughs> Apparently, he loves kung fu films nice. and has always wanted to do some kung fu. Huh. Amazing. That's cool. <laughs> um, I love Mads Mikkelsen as well, to echo what you both said. I think he's actually one of the best actors of this generation. From Hannibal uh, to an insanely good film he did a few years ago called The Hunt. I've heard of this, um, yeah. He's already cemented himself as one of the greats. Now, I can't help but wonder if there's some footage left on the cutting room floor or whether Caecilius is just slightly 
underbaked. Mm. I think Caecilius might have a soggy bottom. Um, I get why he's the villain. And I think I'm using villain in hyphens there because I'm going to sound really hypocritical here because I've said it before that my favorite villains are always the villains that think they're the hero. And Caecilius thinks he's saving Earth. He thinks by granting or helping to grant everyone eternal life, um, he's the hero. And there's this wonderful moment, Rob, you've just said it as well, where he's telling Doctor Strange everything that Dormammu is offering. And he starts crying. I think most actors would have just chewed this scene up and really gone for it. But, I mean, you'd barely know he was crying if you weren't paying attention. And it, it makes me, then watching that scene, I was wondering, like, has Caecilius lost someone? Maybe someone he loves, maybe a child. You know, is this is this is what spurred him on to create a world where you'll never lose a loved one? And it feels like instead we're, we're so close to getting a great villain here, but he just needs to be in the oven a little longer. I think he's one mm. or two drafts away of from greatness. Uh, there's, there's, it's either it got cut or they just didn't mm. get it quite in right in the script. He, he's so close, I think. I very much enjoyed. And your name, Mr. Doctor. <laughs> Mr. Doctor is strange. Maybe. Who am I to judge? Yeah. <laughs> when when um, he wrote that, yeah. Scotty D must have taken the day off, I think. He took a day off. So um, the, I haven't got this noted, but now we've mentioned it. How, so you've already said you didn't really like some of the comedy in this, Colin. So how was, for example, like... Um, the cloak of levitation is almost a character mm. in this and is used for a lot of comedy moments like was there any bits that landed any i mean you've, you've mentioned a couple that landed flat for you i don't think it was so much the cape bit the cape bit kind of reminded me of you know like some of the sam raimi stuff like evil dead and that you know with the sort of floating around just having a mind of its own i mean i I mm-hmm. think I probably had a little shake when it started wiping the tears from him later on in the film. That was that was probably right, where I draw yeah. the line with that kind of stuff. <laughs> the ones that annoy okay. me the most, and this has been a through line throughout just the MCU as a thing, it's the mm-hmm. really... I just find comedy is very hard to do well. And mm-hmm. I think that the easiest and quickest way to get a laugh from the most people possible is to just ref- reference pop culture things and then it just has this, you know, like like the Wi-Fi password and the Beyonce moment. And then yeah. it's, it's just one of those that it, it, it pisses me off because I know how, <laughs> I'm sorry, it, I know how effective it is because it just, it creates this reaction in, in our brains where we're like, huh, I know what that is. And like, I'm watching a <laughs> film and oh, that means they're more like... I'm watching a fucking superhero film, man. I don't need to be reminded about mm-hmm. Beyonce. Stop taking me out of mm-hmm. this world that I'm trying my hardest to get so, into. So strange stealing books from behind Wong as Wong is listening to Single Ladies by Beyonce did not do it for it you. It didn't do it for me, mate. And I think <laughs> and I think that's what I keep I keep I'm gonna keep banging on and keep saying that, I'm sorry, but the tone of the film just didn't feel right. And like mm. if I'm watching a film, I'm being told a story on the screen. And I want to feel like I am immersed in this world so I can enjoy the ride. And when you keep throwing these little one-liners at me, it just completely throws me off. And then it it, it makes me yeah. shake my head. And it's like, I just think they'd be so much better without them, yeah. personally. Yeah. But it's just not my style well, the, of comedy. Scene, it's just not my style of comedy. Yeah. The scene where he starts listing off, like, he's confused by Wong's name because it's just one name. And he starts listing off all the... Like Seal? Different, the Dell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eminem. Yeah. Like, that... 
to me, there's something about these MCU films that have always felt pretty timeless. But to me, that that dates yeah, the exactly. film. Yeah. And I've always, I've always found that scene weird. Yeah. Yeah. I just think they should have been comfortable making him a prick. Like, he doesn't yeah. need to be a funny prick. we exactly. got Tony Stark. It's too... It, it feels yeah. like they're trying to tick too many boxes. It's like... And, oh, yeah. It really annoyed me. <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy the payoff of, of Wong not finding him... The, the better joke is Wong not finding him funny in any way, shape, or form. But I like the payoff of him laughing well, at the laughing end. Laughing at the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I just think the, the joke that he didn't... The jokes he didn't laugh at needed to be better bad jokes. Yeah, I mean, it's a really hard <laughs> thing to do. I mean, it's so difficult. These films are incredibly difficult to make anyway because you are trying to please so many damn people at the same time. I mean, Dan Harmon should have looked at that bit of the script. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you maybe, look at... Actually, like, Sam yeah. Raimi's a great example. And I'm pretty sure... Because I know that there's another one and it's just come out recently. The Mar- What is it? Uh, Doctor Strange and some... I haven't... I've tried not to look at the full title, but, I mean, mm. I live in London and it's just come out. So I know it's That's some it. multiverse madness bollocks. And I'm pretty sure right. that's Sam, that's Sam Raimi, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, if he knows, he knows. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you know, then you know. But to me, that's perfect for this style of film. Because Sam Raimi is so good at that horror slash comedy. And he knows how to do it. And he does it in a way that even if it's absurd and ridiculous, he has some way of doing it that I love. I don't know if it's because I grew up watching Evil Dead and shit like that, but... This felt like a kind of budget version of what it could be to me. Scott Derrickson is still on good terms with Marvel, but there may be another Doctor Strange film in the future that may be directed by Mr. Sam Raimi. Well, I'm if that is the case, I'm extremely excited to watch that. Mm, interesting. Moving on. Kaecilius uses the stolen pages to contact Dormammu of the Dark Dimension where time is non-existent. Caecilius destroys the London Sanctum to weaken Earth's protection. The Zealots then attack the New York Sanctum, killing its guardian, but Strange holds them off with the help of the Cloak of Levitation, only to be critically injured during a skirmish. He teleports himself back to the hospital where Christine Palmer saves him. Now, I think there's a couple, there's a few good, really good sequences here. Unfortunately, reduced to a couple of sentences. Otherwise, we'd be here all week. So, Rob, a couple of questions for you. Any highlight from these set pieces? And also, let's talk Christine Palmer. How was um, she as a character for you, played by Rachel McAdams? I remember the first time I watched it, I just thought, oh, they've crowbarred in a love interest here. But watching it, today i was like actually this is probably one of my favorite love interests for this me point. as well yes because i'm like it's it's quite sad and they never sort of really get back together and i remembered them kissing and i was like oh fuck's sake here it comes and she just kisses him on the cheek and it's like it's like a sort of i still feel very strongly for you and the time we had but it, that's done now and it, it was just, yeah, it worked for me this time around. There was a lot of nice moments, especially early on when she comes to see him when he's sort of at his lowest ebb and she's yep. like, there's there's more, um, you know, there's, there's more that life can offer you. And, and he's like really bitterly sort of like, what, like you? I love that bit. 
Yeah, it's really good. I think um, she's the thing that's all warmed. I've warmed to the most since I first saw it. I think. I think she she's mm. a really good addition to the film, and the way they did it wasn't just like, oh, I adore everything he does, or I'm the the comedy foil to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same to you then, Colin. How was uh, Christine Palmer? I think she was probably one of my favourite elements of the film, to be honest. Mainly because I thought her on on screen chemistry with Cumberbatch was great, but I think it was more. I think. I think it was more her than old Cumberbatch, if I'm honest. But um, <laughs> the one thing I will say is I wanted to see a lot more of that because that they were the few elements in the film where I think the audience got a good look at like the more human side of Doctor Strange over the shit that you know when he's throwing magical bollocks everywhere and you know it, mm-hmm. I just would have liked to have seen a lot more of it. I think that would have helped a lot with, like I say, the development of of Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange and. I found mm-hmm. that those scenes when they were together, they were sort of human. Yeah, well, just that, just felt like there were a few more layers to what was going on, you know. And yep. and and they did yep. a great job those two together. Actually, to be fair, I'm being a bit mean to old Cumberbatch, and I. But there's uh, a lovely moment <laughs> where he holds her hand after the ancient one goes, which I'm sure we'll get to. But that was that worked for me more than it had before, and I was like, oh, actually, these are really nice, sort of sweet. And there is a development there. Mm-hmm that he actually reaches out for an emotional connection rather yeah. than... I think I might be showing my age a bit, but, like, I'm more about, like, I'd rather watch a film about those two and their fucking human relationship than Crash Bang Wallop these days. I just find that sort of stuff a bit more... I don't know. I'm just boring. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I would disagree, <laughs> sir. Um, but we've already mentioned it as well in uh, in terms of the, uh, the introduction of the... Um, the resuscitation scene in like the astral plane um love that fight scene and there's something that have you ever seen the film the frighteners i I love the frighteners i haven't seen it really reminded me of the frighteners oh you'd like it colin yeah yeah it's a lot of fun oh yeah so you like this sequence colin yeah i mean there were moments of it where i was just like what the hell is going on because it was I was like, are they really going to do this? Are we going to have like a fight scene going on with the astral forms of the people that are in? The- and, but it was cool, man. And I loved the, um, yeah. I thought they got really creative with the action in, in this moment and the whole defib mm-hmm. way of, of, I thought that was really smart, man. I, I love it. Where, like that's a, I've never seen that before. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm. never seen yeah. that before. So hats off to whoever came up with that one. Well, it was him, wasn't it? He did the, yeah. um, animation of it it, right? it was yeah. his idea bef- and that's how he pitched the <laughs> yeah. film that yeah, if you show a, if you show a um a film whatever you call them company that i'm sure they're going to be like hell yes mate <laughs> that's what you bring <laughs> to the table you're on board yeah and i love strange's way of dispatching some of the minions as well by essentially just throwing them to every corner cool. of the yeah. earth yeah. love all of that as well um, cool. windows very, 95 yeah, street saver doors yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a bit, wasn't it? i don't think you can really fault it visually this one I mean, can you? No. Have you guys got... I mean, you guys don't have many faults about these films anyway. No, not in terms of the visuals. Mm. I think it's all great. The fight choreography is really interesting as well. No, um, high marks from me. So upon returning to the Sanctum, Strange reveals to Mordo that the Ancient One has been drawing power from the Dark Dimension to sustain her long life. And Mordo becomes disillusioned with the Ancient One. After a fight in the Mirror Dimension of New York... Caecilius mortally wounds the Ancient One and escapes to Hong Kong. 
and now the I guess you could call it Battle of New York, but we've already had that, so we we'll call it the Battle in the Power Dimension in New York. Um, in the Power Dimension, Mirror Dimension, just rolls off the tongue. Um, so I think visually stunning uh, and actually groundbreaking. And I'm really intrigued to know what you thought of this, Colin. You've kind of already hinted at it. Um, was it a case of style over substance for you? I, I, I kind of, I thought you were going to really like this sequence. No, I did like it. And I think if I was to, if I was to have watched that in the cinema, I think it probably would have hit me a lot more than it mm. did. It was great. But with it being the first time I had watched this film, I feel like I probably wouldn't be able to, to enjoy it to its fullest extent without watching it maybe two or three times just because yes. there's a lot going on. So it's like, I remember that I remember enjoying them, but if you ask me to name four or five of my like favorite points of it, I'd struggle. Cause yeah. like, I can't remember the hmm. moment by moment little action beats, but as a whole, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, it was stunning and, and yeah. it was, it was a trip, you know? Yeah. Um, I know Rob, when this first came out um, and especially we actually get some glimpses of this set piece, um, in the trailer, Colin. Oh, okay. Um, there was some people already claiming that this sequence would never exist if it wasn't for Inception. Yeah, yeah, I got um, that vibe. Is that a fair assessment or are they just being knobheads? What do you mean? It wouldn't exist. Like, people would be like, oh, it's ripping it off. They've put it out in the world now, so they're... Well, I mean, it's... I don't know, man. You'd have to speak to the dudes that that, that created it. I mean, surely there's... You, you can't say there's not an Inception influence in that. Would they have been able to design that without seeing Inception? Possibly, but I don't know. That's that's the question, I think. But I Is think, it a fair assessment? Like, when you look at Inception, so, like, say the hallway fight in Inception, mm-hmm. that's based on technology that was, like, probably Fred Astaire was doing, you know, like, walking, dancing on the ceiling and things like that. It, it, it's taking old techniques and then put it to something new yeah exactly mm-hmm. i don't see a problem with it and also given the the benefit of time which is, seems to be a theme of the the film as well don't you feel like a certain sort of set piece that we got coming up where everything's going in reverse and there's a fight sequence going forward at the same time is very much like another christopher nolan film that come out afterwards so it's gone full circle baby oh. i mean you know I think there's a Scroobius Pip line in one of his tracks. Nothing's original. I stole this flow from the creator. It's like we're all just taking influences from what we like and we're putting our own spin on them. That is art. Nothing's original. So it's a stupid question to ask about the Inception thing. Yeah, George. No, no, not not you. Hang on, I asked that question. Yeah, but it sounds like you're asking it through that that was a response from certain Marvel fans and you're wondering what my opinion is. I don't think you believe that, do you? Stupid George. No. Stupid fucking <laughs> question. No, I, I love I, you. I, I, I love just you. want... Thank you. I love you too. I just wanted to uh, throw it out there that that's what people mm. were saying. Um, Rob, before I move on from the Battle of New York, um, is there anything you want to maybe mention? Yeah, actually, I do. There was, there was something that I think Colin would remember in the middle of this sequence. Oh, I think so. <laughs> and um, so they're falling around. There's so much going on. You're like, oh, it's like an MC Escher painting. I can't tell what's going on. And then suddenly, Excelsior. Yes. <laughs> Stan, baby. Yeah, baby. Ivan. What was he reading? Because I saw something on there and I was like, I know one of these two has probably paused it and it means something. But mm-hmm. or does it not? 
It's my trivia. No, Rob, don't, no, don't do it? it. Don't do it. I Rob. have to. Rob. I have to do it. No, 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 Wait, please, you've, please, you've got, please. You've got a little bit of time to get your phone out and get on Google again. No, don't, because I love this trivia. <laughs> Rob, you're really good at Who's winning? Who's I will winning? throw a tantrum over the, the internet. George. Oh, Rob, you've got to, mate. You've got to. Rob, Rob, please, please, come on, man. Well, this is an iconic moment in podcasting Rob, history right now. Colin, why did you have to... Please. I did, dude, I saw that and I thought to myself, I know one of these two is going to have a story about what that means. I cause... don't want to scramble through my phone again. <laughs> okay, he's reading a book on the bus. Thank you so much. I love you. Can you just... What was it called? I'll, 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 give, I'll give him his little fact. Get, I'm not going to be petty. Okay. I'm going to trust that my fact is better. Oh, I like it. Confidence, confidence. I just like seeing George squirm. He made some fun noises then. I've I've never heard you say please like that in your life. <laughs> please. I was devastated. Please. I was devastated. It sounded like Aunt May in the uh, the original Spider-Man when she's dying in the bed. <laughs> Finish um. it. <laughs> That's what Colin was doing. Yeah, exactly. Finish it. <laughs> He was reading a book! <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, speaking as well of this Stan Lee cameo, mm. this cameo was not directed by Scott Derrickson. Yeah, I've got that noted. I didn't know how, what your trivia was going to be, so I didn't say anything. Ah. Uh, so I thought, Why? yeah, I, I think this is quite interesting. Yeah, so Stan Lee at this point was becoming quite unwell. Oh, okay. Um, and they were dragging him into these sets once every three, four, five months, mm. spend a whole day filming these cameos in order to send him off home again. And they realised, maybe we're quite, we haven't got many years left with Stan. So then someone at Marvel pitched the idea that we kind of know what the next four or five Marvel movies are, what we're building up to and what we're filming. So how about we devise and film four cameos and get him in on the same day and do them all four or so four four so um they actually approached james gunn director and writer of okay. guardians of the galaxy and said this is what's going on with stan here are our next four films do you want to write a credit no not a credit scene do you want to write a cameo, cameo scene yeah. for stan um and here's kind of what the films are about. And they made all these sets and James Gunn wrote all of these four sequences and they got Stan in on one day. So the next four post credit scenes, starting with Dr. Strange were all filmed on the same huh. day, all directed by James Gunn because, um, they didn't want to risk maybe or pushing an old man too hard, you know, like, or pushing an old man too hard. Yes. Um, yeah. I think it's quite sweet. That is. Uh, and, Stanley was more than happy to do it and had the best day. Bless him. Uh, before dying, the Ancient One tells Strange that he too will have to bend the rules to complement Mordo's steadfast nature in order to defeat Caecilius. Strange and Mordo arrive in Hong Kong to find Wong dead, the sanctum destroyed and the dark dimension engulfing Earth. Strange uses the eye of Agamotto to reverse time and save Wong. Now, I remember Scott Derrickson in an interview saying that he himself, Colin, was getting a bit fatigued mm. off the final sequence of superhero movies, always kind of being in cities, just being yeah. absolutely obliterated and destroyed. 
And I think it's clear that Marvel have maybe started to course correct that in the last couple of movies with Ant-Man and Civil War, for sure. So Scott Derrickson and his co-writer, the the sinister Robert Cargill, um, wanted to take it one step further and have their final fight scene take place in a city that is being repaired and decided to challenge themselves to write a scene that is propelling forward but taking place in a location that is shifting backwards so by the time this fight scene starts the last hour has been pretty full-on and really non-stop in terms of action was it still holding your attention by this point or did you start to look at that watch of yours no i think it was i was still in at this point um mm. again you got a hats off to the creative guys behind this one because like you've said how many ways can you do the same Mm-hmm. action at the end of you know the the final stages of each film it's going to come to heads at some point so i like yeah. I, I i applaud the the creative direction that it went in for sure um there was one moment in it that i really loved and it was when you see in reverse someone flying through the front screen of the uh the um yeah the window screen of the car that was very striking to me that stuck out mm-hmm. the most i think there's one moment where strange kicks that woman into the wall where a fish tank uses yeah used to be. yeah and then all the water collects up and now she's stuck in the fish tank and even getting old um Kaecilia stuck in the wall yeah that was a nice touch so i like the way they use the environment as well as the environment rebuilding itself i think if it had just been rebuilding itself in the background and then kicking and punching or throwing whatever at each other but the fact yeah. they actually use the elements in amongst the fight scene as it's building up around them was really nice. Yeah. But the fight scene cool. itself, it, it, they, they are starting to sort of roll into themselves a bit for me now, if I'm totally honest with you. Again, maybe okay. it's something that I'd need to, on a rewatch, take in a bit more. I mean, I only mm-hmm. watched the film a matter of hours ago, so, you know, yeah. there's only so much you can really take in. Of course. Rob, you've been known to write a cracking script or two. Um just how much of a challenge would it be to write something like this scene? Where the hell do you even begin? Because it's, I, I can't even begin to describe this sequence. It's insane. Yeah, I've been meaning to sit down and read the the script, both this and Tenet, to be honest, just to see how they go about yeah. sort of making that make sense to someone reading it. Mm. I think a lot of that would have to come through storyboarding and pre-visualisation to really get that across, Surely. like how that's going to function. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, I love that idea. I think it, it I, I agree. I think it's a really inventive way of sort of avoiding that fatigue and sort of, okay, instead of knocking this all down, we're going to rebuild it. And it's, it's yeah, that's great. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to it in a second. What follows is also... yes equally inventive yes so speaking of strange then enters the dark dimension and creates an endless time loop around himself and dormammu after repeatedly killing strange to no avail dormammu finally gives in to strange's demand that he permanently leave earth alone and take kaecilius and his zealots with him in return for strange breaking the endless loop so yes yet again we're still not done the film continues and personally i was nowhere near bored um rob should we have ended the film on the hong kong sequence definitely not why go on because this this shows one how much he's grown as as a character from who he was at the start he's as the ancient one says to him it's not about you which we've skipped over but that 
it's actually my favourite scene in the whole film. When she says, "Wonderful, um, yeah, I forgot." And yeah. here I am, stretching one moment into a thousand. Her delivery is, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. the, the shot of the lightning going really slowly in the background. Yeah. Great, amazing, I love it. Um, yeah, agreed. agreed. Yeah, like it's also showing his intelligence as well. Like instead of just it going to some sort of weird magic battle of him shooting, you know, beams at Dormammu and all this sort of thing, it turns into right off. I've tricked him. That's it. And he still, you know, dies essentially thousands and thousands of times. It's not like he doesn't remember that. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't know how long he was technically there. I think that um, it was either Derrickson or Cargill in an interview a couple of years ago did say in their minds, it's not as um, apparent in the film, he was there for years. Mm. Just years of dying repeatedly. And would have been nice for them to have, made that a little clearer i think yeah the years part i gathered he was there mm-hmm. for a while but maybe cut they, well, could they could have, have cut back it. to yeah. wong and he sat there with mordo they were both sort of like looking at their watches making small talk have you heard of beyonce mm. <laughs> <laughs> mordo's like and then we lose colin it's been, again. It's been a few hours maybe yeah. we should head back for a bit <laughs> <laughs> two years later put the kettle on uh so, uh, Colin, we've gone from a man in a cave building a robot out of scraps mm. to now a surgeon who's learned magic, trapping himself in an endless time loop with a trans-dimensional life form. Um, have we strayed too far from what the MCU used to be or should be? Well, I mean, I can't answer that question because how much of this was in comics that were already done and dusted before the MCU started making these? So Dormammu yeah. has been about yeah. in, the, in the comics, yeah. Um, I I do think that I'm struggling with the f- big floaty purple heads in the space thing a little bit. Um, only because yeah, I mean it was sort of I, I think I remember saying it after Civil War. It was like that film felt like we had established such a it's just such a good basis to just carry on with, <laughs> and then a week later I'm watching <laughs> what you've just explained. It's I understand that this this well universe is fucking huge, mm. um, but the idea of it turning into this big galactic battle between giant sort of <laughs> colourful creatures in different parts of the universe, yep. I think I could imagine on page, like in a comic book, I reckon it could be done in a fantastic way because so much of that's built on your own imagination and you you know, you take this, you you kind of take your own journey through it. I'm not sure how it's going to translate in the cinema for me, just because I think this was probably the first introduction to it and it didn't quite hit the way I was hoping for. Okay. But like I said, I'm not done. Like, Mm. I I feel like, I I need to see a bit more of what the fuck's going on up in in these parts. Mm -hmm. All we've seen is old Thanos on the toilet for a bit. And now this Thanos has been sitting on the toilet yeah, he's, for a he's lot still, of films now. He's, he's still constipated on the toilet, and now we've <laughs> yeah. got old matey, giant face. It was just a little bit like, okay, this is new. Yeah. And Dormammu was actually motion captured and voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. I was going to do that as a fun batch, but <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, and literally about an hour before we started recording, I sorry. found something Please. out as well. So much like Please. when. Oh, please let me do it. 
please. Oh, Sorry, okay, mate. I'm... We to- we totally shut all over what you were saying. Then. Sorry, man. I know. It's fine. Step on my much Turf. like <laughs> um, when uh, Marcus um, is it uh, Marcus and McFeely uh, the two writers of Civil War just when they sort of got to their offices to uh, start writing Civil War Kevin Feige popped his head round and mentioned the idea of Civil War because it was going to be a Captain America sequel um, as Derrickson and Cargill got in their office um, Feige popped his head through the door and was like uh, what are you guys writing? He doesn't sound like that. <laughs> and they were like, oh, we're just starting to, you know, um, branch with coming up with ideas for the Dumamu sequence about how he's going to fight Dumamu. And he was like, oh, cool. How about he traps him in time? And they were like, well, that sounds cool. How does he do that? And, they, and he went, don't know. You're the writers, mm. figure it out. <laughs> and um, so he, off he walked. So that um, idea was spawned by mr kevin feige so disillusioned by strange and the ancient one defying nature's laws mordo renounces his sorcerer career and departs strange returns the eye to Kamartage and takes up takes up residence in the new york sanctum to continue his studies with wong so colin any final thoughts anything i've missed anything you want to go into uh I think maybe the only there was a there was a visually striking moment that may have been one of the biggest for me in the film that we haven't and it was only it was a very short thing but it was when mm. oh, I think it was the H one that did it you might have to correct me here but it was when she first kicks the astral version of Cumberbatch mm. and it, and it so kind of you go on that wide form wide forms. shot and you see it yeah. like that was when. Yeah, that I was like, man, that, that like I was talking about earlier with the CGI, it just felt like it had like a it had a lot more depth to it mm. than normal. It just felt very mm-hmm. thick and like it was actually, you know, yep. it felt quite thick realistic. Cumberbatch. Um, oh, I love it. Love a bit of that. <laughs> yep, <Yeah>, nice. <laughs> love a bit of that. Um, <laughs> so we've definitely discussed in previous Marvel movies. There's been some wonky CGI, mm. um, and uh, <clears throat> as Rob sort of mentioned earlier on, I think this is possibly the strongest the CGI has been yet. I would say that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I asked the same about every villain. Um, are we going to see Caecilius or Dumamu again? Are they one and done? Um, are we going to see one again or both again? Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, but I I mean, I want to see more of um, Caecilius. Oh. Yeah. Um. We are talking about Carcilius, aren't we? Carcilius, yes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought you were about to mention Mordo. Oh, no, no, no. I would like to see more of him, but I don't know, man. Maybe Mordo is going to be the, the, the top dog now mm. in the next Strange. But then I don't actually know if there's any more Strangers between now and the one that's just come out. So, like, I don't know how many we've got. I'm sure he's going to pop up in some Avengers, but I can imagine, well, we'll talk about that in the end, end credit sequence, I guess. But, mm. yeah, there's there's a... To be fair, I think it was probably the ends, end credits that got me more excited about what's to come. Interesting. Which I don't really know what that says about the film as a mm. whole. It's mm. kind of like yeah. one of those episodes of Walking Dead that started happening over and over again after like season three, <laughs> where the first five minutes of the episode would be really good, then it would just be filler, and then the last five minutes would be great, and then you'd be like, fuck, I've got to tune in next week now to see what happens. <laughs> kind of felt a little bit like that, you know? Is that not what a post credit scene is there for? 
Yeah, you want the but end then to work. You still want you want you want the the fucking uh-huh. meat and potatoes of the film to still be good. You don't want to just be like, <laughs> damn, I got to come back now and I see what happens. Of course. Um, same to you, Rob. Is anything I skipped? Anything you want to I, go into? I, I one thing that I hadn't really noticed until this time round. The last shot of the film. Because you've got that brilliant bit where he's walking back into the sanctum and he's walking in slow motion up the steps and he, he puts his watch back mm-hmm. on, his broken watch, and wears that as a symbol of you know what he's lost and you know all that sort of thing. Yep. I really like that. And he's looking out the window and it cuts this wide shot of him in the sanctum, sort of almost silhouetted by the light, looking out. Quite yep. a nice downbeat, pensive ending. And I thought, oh, I like that. And it cuts to this fuck ugly <laughs> exterior shot of the sanctum that shows like a f- skyline of New York yeah. in the background. I wouldn't mind so much, but they use it earlier in the film when he first runs out into the streets of New York. Mm. And why is that the last shot to the whole film? <laughs> like why, mm. when you've got this beautiful shot of him looking really pensive, like, yeah. okay, now my new life starts looking out the window in quite a dark and moody last shot to this weird nothing shot. Yeah. Remember, he's mm. in New York. Holy fuck, he's in New York. Boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never occurred to me. And yeah, the, the the shot by the window is much more interesting. Um, I've got one more thing that I we haven't mentioned, um, and shame on us all for not mentioning it. Uh, to me, this is yet, so far, shall I say, the best score we've had in the MCU. I think the score for this is incredible. Um, I might be slightly biased because it's um, the first entry to the MCU by Michael Giacchino, who has done Lost, um, went on to do like Mission Impossible and knows of um, iconic work with Pixar, did like um, Up and The Incredibles and things like that. Um, Colin, did you even notice the score? Not a whole lot, mate. These these Marvel scores, I mean, it's Hollywood score, isn't it? It's the, <laughs> I mean, I'm probably insulting a lot of people in saying this. Um, it's not an easy thing to do, but there is definitely a formula to it. And I can't say this one had any sort of standout moments that over any of the others. Wow. Okay. No, no, no. There was actually a moment in like a very early montage. Um, at the beginning, when they're in, they're in the hospital and they're going through his recovery process and stuff, mm-hmm. but I actually distinctly remembering not enjoying the score for that bit. So, oh, wow, yeah, felt a little TV to me. Plinky oh. plonky piano over a montage. It was like, eh, bit, oh. bit, it was just very house at that point. So I'm sorry, and uh, the no, guy's clearly fine. a legend and he knows exactly what he's doing. So I don't, but you know, subjective, isn't it? Yes. Um, Rob, any thoughts on the score? Do you agree with Colin? I don't really remember the score. If you ask me to hum it now, and I'm sure if we ask you to hum it now. Yep. Okay, well, I couldn't do that. Oh, all he knows how to make it feel like a prick, doesn't but I, to be fair, I think what Rob just said is I don't remember much. How many of them can you hum, Rob? From the Avengers the and... The Avengers And there's one coming up by the same composer, actually, okay. that I remember vividly. Actually, no, there's, there's two scores 
Actually, you've got a run of good scores coming up. Um, yeah. Did you like the new... <laughs> yeah. Did you... Yeah. Please. <laughs> did you like the new... <laughs> Please like the score, Colin. I was going to ask Colin, because each week he sends us... Each time we do this, he sends us the Marvel logo saying... I did And it's today. a new logo. It was a new one. I was like, With Whoa. a Michael Giacchino score behind it as well. Yeah, that was cool. They They brought in a lot more mm. in this one, right? Has it always said yeah, Marvel no. Studios? So this is the first time and it, it says shows Marvel the Studios, actual Marvel right? film characters rather than yeah. like comic pages. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dum, dum, da, da, dum, dum, that was a nice dum, little dum, touch. Dum, 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 dum. I like bum, Michael, bum, G- Michael Giacchino as well. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> oh my goodness me! I'm sorry, guys. We're, we're we're shooting for. I mean, we're 27 in the charts right now, boys. You think this is going to get us higher? What's going to get us a copyright uh, <laughs> <so>. claim? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah we're definitely. Uh, right, let's jump on. Let's jump on to ratings before me and Rob start copying all the scores. Um, <laughs> Colin, let's hear it from you. Rated out of five mm. for our letterbox account, please. I think I'm going to go three stars for this one. Okay, three out of five. You know what? There was one point. I think earlier on this morning, I had a brief burst of George O'Connor misplaced optimism when i was like colin's gonna give it a five no really <laughs> yeah yeah i had the thought and i'm so yeah i i should have known better you should have um, yeah rob out of five for you i've been going back and forth on this i think mm, four mm-hmm. i'm going between three and a half and four mm. Mm. It is a four out of five for me, but it is the most solid four you'll ever see. As far as fours go, this is one sturdy mother. Right, just because my four was a bit wibbly-wobbly. Yeah, My four has to be better. Oh, yeah, you weren't sure of yours. Yeah, well, mine was the hardest four you've ever seen. (laughs) Please like my four. (laughs) Oh, shit. It's It's just how serious I take this fucking (laughs) trivia thing. I'm devastated. Right. <laughs> let's do some Let's do some trivia. You know too much for your own good. Now that's what I call using the old head. Okay, so who went first oh, I have last idea. week? I never I can't remember. It's George. I it think, was George because he I think didn't, I he went didn't first. yeah, because you didn't want to have yours spoiled because the week before Rob had your trivia, I think. Yeah. Something yes. like that. I don't know. I didn't beg quite as much last no, week. I don't think you could ever beg week. as much as you begged this week. <laughs> okay. I think we've already had yours. We've already had yours spoiled, really, George. Well, Ish, well maybe. I'm very confident about oh, this. I like it. Love so, this is my trivia. Colin, you have a fondness for Asia, don't you? You've spent some time I in do. that part of the world. Okay, so. Yeah, I, just, I wish I wish this was on video. You just see what George is doing with his hands. Camotage. <laughs> um, obviously, is a fictional place, but it was mm-hmm. filmed in Kathmandu, which is also mentioned in the in the film. And they shot in Nepal. Yep. Um, for the outside exterior bits of you know, strange walking through the city and trying to locate the sanctum. So, when they were scouting for the movie. They was like, this is 100% where we want to go. Scott Scotty D had a big um, affinity for the place and, and, and was like, no, I definitely want to film here because it's just, it's just beautiful. 
And then once they'd gone back to America, there was a massive earthquake in Nepal, and this cancelled the shooting for the location. And they were they were like discussing what they were going to do and how they were going to sort of recreate it, maybe somewhere else in the world or on sets. And um, Scotty D was sat down one day with old Benny Cum, and um, he was sort of saying, "I don't don't really know what I'm going to do." And and Benedict Cumberbatch said, well, "Don't you think if we went there now, it's the best time to film there post earthquake um, because of the economic benefit that it would bring." in both tourism, because it's you know, largely based on, uh, it gets its money from tourism, and income that they can give in the form of jobs to the people who are left unemployed from the earthquake and um, employing them as extras and crew members. So that is what they did. They went back to Nepal after it was originally cancelled as the location shoot, employed a load of uh, people who have been made unemployed or extras, um, and obviously brought a massive boom to the tourism that was much needed after the tragic earthquake. That's nice, mate. I like that a lot. You're always hearing about all the negative shit that those companies do, but yes, yeah, it's, it's nice. I like that. Good fact there, Rob, if not slightly manipulative. Um, so, my... <laughs> George, he's already triggered. You really know how to get under George, Rob. I'm, re- I'm finding that out about you. <laughs> You you know exactly know. what buttons to press that on that guy. I love it. I'm very stressed. But I'm confident. I'm confident about this. I one. was confident about half hour ago when I did it. So as we brilliant. So uh, as we've already mentioned in Stanley's cameo, we obviously see him riding a bus around uh, New York, mm-hmm. um, completely oblivious to the battle going on around him, mainly because he's not obviously in the, the mirror dimension and he can't see what's happening in that particular dimension. Um, the book he is reading, Colin, on the bus is a book called The Doors of Perception. Uh, this is a book that was published in 1954 by a gentleman by the name of Aldous Huxley. Now, this was, especially in 1954, quite a controversial book because uh, Mr. Huxley was quite the fan of LSD and went on some quite insane LSD trips. And so what he would do, he would try and write down and document and try his best to explain all of the changes that happened in the world around him and what he saw in these various trips. Uh, The book and some of the imagery he described was a massive influence Mm. for some of the imagery for this film, especially in the sequence where the ancient one opens Strange's mind for the first time. Um, it was so influential, in fact, that not only um, does the book feature actually in the movie being read by Stan Lee himself, but both the book and Aldous Huxley both receive a credit in the closing credits of the film. That was good, man. That was a very I good one. I like that one. Kind of want that book now as well. <laughs> Huh. This is hard. You guys have been making it really difficult the last couple of weeks. <laughs> okay, I mean... Oh, man. Oh, shit. This is the longest wait. I'm so sorry. Just give me a minute. We can cut this. I'm not cutting we can it. Cut no. the time if we have to. No, no. They, want, they, they need to know it. the agonising wait. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do not realise the flip-flopping that's going on in my brain right now between the two. 
it's I've got, never been more confident. Oh, I was about to fact. say one then, and I literally it was about to come out of my mouth, and I went the other way. I've never been more confident. It's the book, George. <gasps> I'm so oh, sorry. Yes. Oh yes! <laughs> if I just said, if I'd not been charitable to George, I know he tried mate. stepping Look, on my learned, little man? my Excelsior bit. <laughs> And he's like, no, I, I'm going to put my facts right in the middle really of his bit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, if you could turn back Two the clock, you would shout at what the baby. name of that book was. <laughs> I do kind of want to see you squirm again, looking for one at the end of the episode. That was fun last week. I'm so happy. Please. I feel, Please, I feel, I feel, I feel bad. That, that, was a, Please pick me. that was a split decision. <laughs> you can okay. take your dorsal perception uh, let's start this show up. up your ass <laughs> <laughs> thank you everyone for listening uh, if you haven't already please review or rate the podcast wherever you listen to it it all helps so much I promise and it's working um, we're Hell getting yeah. out there to more and more people um, and appreciate it I, I, we, uh, more than you can imagine yeah. um, the more of you on this journey with us the better so, Colin, mm. <laughs> what's next? Um, you have been spoiled so much in the last few episodes. You've been introduced to Ant-Man, uh-huh. Spider-Man, Black Panther, and now Dr. Stephen Strange. Um, do you want this trend to keep going, or is it time we finally go and see how some of the OGs are getting on? What do you fancy? I think this this one has, has really opened up an opportunity to get back to um, Asgard and, and see what's going on there. I think we're getting the next Thor. Well, Colin, we are heading back to space as we catch up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) I would not have said that one. (laughs) Holy shit. They need to settle on something, man. Like, I'm. Oh, shit. Okay, Guardians time. I'm up for it. They are flip flopping you. Colin, say bye. Goodbye. Rob, say bye. Bye. Next time we meet, let it be in peace and friendship. This is as far as you're going to get tonight. Such valuable stuff. All in a nice work. Sweet dreams, little friends. I fear we have not seen the last of him. And as always, we're not quite done yet. Yes, in a mid-credit scene, Strange decides to help Thor, who has brought his brother Loki to Earth to search for their father, Odin. So Thor's back in New York with Loki looking for their father. I mean, that's a lot of information given to us in such a short space of time. Colin, are you excited? Because I know you've been a bit weird with Thor. Are you excited to see him back on our screen again? Or are you starting to grow a little bit tired of the God of Thunder? I've, well, I mean, I, I think it's time. Time to get mm. back out there. I, w- I generally did think it was going to be the next film. I'm quite surprised that it isn't, if I'm honest. Um, mm. I'm a bit of a Loki fanboy, I guess. Of, so they've um, already mentioned that Loki so him, is yeah, involved. I was like, uh, kind of, I want to see more of him because... That's what I mean. It feels like it's been so long since you've seen any of those guys. Yeah. You've sort of, you've sort of already 
moved on to what's happening in the more <laughs> well currently for me obviously um so yeah it's 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 a strange one but it was cool to see it was nice to see him pop up and yeah i think they set it up well and clearly that was when i mentioned earlier on about my theories for how it's probably going to end up in a much bigger battle right. of sort of universes and mm. and obviously you know what more are you going to get closer to that than being back in Asgard and bouncing around between that? And obviously yep. now you've got Doctor Strange and his yeah. So this this mid credit scene was not directed by Scott Derrickson, and um, it was directed by the director of an upcoming Thor movie, and um, hmm. a gentleman named Taika Waititi. Oh, I like that guy. Do you? I was about to say. Yeah. If you, um, so I was about to get Rob to try and introduce you to who Taika Waititi is, but you you know him. What have I seen of his? Did he do that? What's the? Was it a, a vampire film? What we did? do in the shadows. That is Hunt amazing. for the wilder people. That's great. Well. Hunt for the yeah. wilder people. Um, so he's a, he's a Kiwi. Is, is he from New Zealand? Yes, and obviously mm-hmm. has a very specific and strange style of humor yeah i wouldn't have said thor so when they announced him for the next thor movie oh, people were like for that one. interesting I'm oh for that. yes taika oh it's a bonus fact a bonus fact it's only gonna done it it's a bonus fact <laughs> wow he's happy again yeah, rob's got back. a jingle in my heart <laughs> he just needed a jingle <laughs> <laughs> and a spring in my step so if you were to buy because it's easter time what what are you saying because it's Easter time, apparently. No, it's Easter, Easter egg. You big <sighs> fuckwit. Oh, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've really got on. Oh, I love it. This, this is, oh, this is uh, my and Georgie's friendship. Hanging on by a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so if you was to buy the Doctor Strange Blu-ray, as I did, tell I, received it for my birthday. But if you was to own the Doctor oh. Strange Blu-ray... On the bonus features, you would find a um, a short film of sorts called Team Thor. And it basically, we had Team Cap, we had Team Iron Man, and we find out what Thor was doing while this civil war was going on. Now, I don't think I'm going to say anything more than that. And I'm not oh. going to show Colin it until <laughs> we've seen the next Thor film. Teasing. Yes, okay. we, will, we will send it your way, Colin. Sounds good. Good thinking there, Rob. I'd forgotten about that. And then in a post-credit scene, Mordo confronts Pangborn and steals the mystical energy he's been using to walk, telling him that Earth has too many sorcerers. So, yeah, it looks like we're not quite done with Baron Mordo here. Um, mm. I think you've already kind of hinted to this, Colin. Was it enough to tickle your interest into seeing more of Mordo, or would you prefer to to see Strange go up against maybe something a bit more out there, like another Dormammu or something like that? No, I'm I'm happy to see him come back because I feel like there was a lot more that these characters could have given in that film. So mm. I'm glad that he's coming back and hopefully there'll be a, you know, they'll maybe flesh him out a bit more. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no point of bringing in a brand new person when you've already got that set up. I mean, yeah. let's carry on with that first. But God knows when we're going to get to the film if we're bouncing around all over the place. We are. By the time we get back to the next Doctor Strange, if it's Mordo, I'm going to have forgotten who the hell he is at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Potentially. Uh, Rob, how does this rank to you in terms of post-credit scenes? Is it up there? Is it low tier? How effective oh, is it? shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um... So I don't get it. Right. Right. Oh. This guy's pissed off at both the hypocrisy of sorcerers and sorcerers, right? There's too many sorcerers. Mm-hmm says the man doing sorcery to remove someone's magic. Really? Yeah, but not my magic. My magic's fine. But the only reason he became, sort of, went on that villainous path in the film was because the ancient one was a hypocrite and went against the rules. Mm-hmm. But, but he's okay. He can do it. Interesting. You sound like Shit. me. <laughs> yeah. I like that. This is what it's, this is what you've created by picking him. Is that what I sound like on this podcast? <laughs> I love it. No, I don't. I don't really rate it, and I find it unintentionally funny when um, old Benny Bratt, the actor playing Pangborn, mm-hmm. does that weird sort of like acting when he falls into like a crumpled heap on the yes. floor. I shouldn't have found it as funny as I did, but it's. <laughs> I laughed in the cinema, and I still laugh today when I watched it. <laughs> Too many sorcerers. No, I'm okay. Pretty I'm all right, uh, Oh, dear. It was okay. definitely the weaker of the two. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it was, the Thor one was quite quite sort of nice. Was it a surprise seeing the Thor one for you guys as a post-credit scene when you saw it in the cinema? Like, did you know? Of course. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I, it, as comic book nerds, I'm, I don't want to speak for Rob too much, but it's always a kick when you, you see them together on the same screen mm. to suddenly see Thor sitting there with Doctor Strange is um it, it tickles my geek bone for sure. How how far ahead in advance do you guys normally know in terms of what films are coming up? Usually know around the next three to four films. Wow, really? Okay. So I think by this point we knew mm. a Thor movie was coming up and it was going to be written and directed by Taika Waititi. Okay. But we hadn't seen a trailer yet. No. Yeah. I don't think. So that's got to be coming soon then. Uh, I, I <laughs> think you just said it three or four films. So it's coming in the next three or four. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll I, take hope that. So. Yeah. I hope so. Cool. Um, well, I can barely breathe after the last 20 minutes of this week's episode. So um, again, thanks for everyone uh, for listening and we'll see you in space, I guess. Uh, yeah. Stay, stay. The fuck. <laughs> Cut that right <laughs> at the end. Last line. Stay safe. Stay well. Stay nerdy. Goodbye, everyone. I'm not cutting it.